You ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? You're listening to the Victory Bells podcast. Yeah, it's made with bits of real banter. So you know it's good. With the latest in everything Red Raider sports. I almost numbchucked you. You don't even realize. Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? Here's Will McKay. You know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last. And Matt Clare. Hey, guys. Oh, big golf, huh? All right. Well, see you later. What is up, everybody? Welcome into this week's edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I'm Will McKay, and as always, joined on the other side of the equation by Matt Clare. Say hello to the people, Matt. Hello, people, Matt. <laughs> what a good one. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. You doing all right? I'm doing good. I am always good to be on the podcast. Always, always good to be on the podcast. And again, if this is your first guy's first time listening, or you've been listening on SoundCloud, just so you know, we're now on iTunes. We're, uh, you know, official like a referee with a whistle, as my man Snoop Dogg would say. So uh, if you would, just go on over there, and you can find it on iTunes. You, you can subscribe and uh, have it, you know, queued up and all that kind of stuff as soon as we post it or a couple hour, hours after, depending on how they kind of uh, uh, get it up. It's kind of just a kind of a crapshoot when it goes up within like the next three or four hours. But uh, but either way, like I said, so glad you guys decided to listen. Got a lot to talk about this week with uh, the, the uh, Midland scrimmage going on last weekend. I got to go out there and check that out. And uh, quite a bit else going on, like uh, Tech Baseball, man, those guys, we're recording this on Wednesday night, and those guys actually defeated uh, Florida State earlier today, 8-4, and split that series. So, man, I think you're amped about that and where they're at. If You know, if they can win that series against Oklahoma State this weekend, which is in Stillwater, I think you'd be really, really happy with where you're at. But, uh, but yeah, man, all things kind of pointing up, seems like, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, a lot of, I mean, in sport, I guess, things that are happening in the sports world, yes, for uh, Texas Tech, I think the – the team had a stumble in the beginning of the season, from what I could uh, yeah, tell. Yeah. But but you know the 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 incredible start to conference play, and then I think you said uh, Florida State's a top five team, and and from what I know, they're a perennial kind of power out there. So to split the series and to sort of flex their muscles today, uh, especially at the plate, look like what do they score? Seven, they uh, nine eight. runs. They scored eight and had two home runs. So yeah, uh, and I mean that's Florida State has one of the best staffs that you're going to face all year long. So. I think you feel really good about that. So, uh, so you know, things are going great with Tech Baseball and uh, excited about their season and where it could go. But uh, but switching over to football, Matt, and, you know, just starting off with, with Tech News this week. And I got, like I said, I got to go out to the Midland scrimmage and kind of check that out and see where uh, where the team was at and just kind of get my first view of, of what this team might look like moving forward into the 2016 season. And... The thing I've kind of prefaced every, everybody with whenever I've written or talked or done anything radio-wise as far as uh, as far as talking about the scrimmage in Midland, I think the thing that everyone that was there especially, or anything I say, I think you need to take it with a grain of salt as far as don't judge as much what the team does in those because you're scrimmaging each other, so you don't really have that good of a scope. But I w- what I would say is kind of take in what individual players do because I think you can get a better judgment for that, so... Uh, I got to go out there and liked, you know, a lot of what I saw, man. I know you didn't get to make it out there, but uh, I think you might make it out for the spring game, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to. That's that's uh, a goal of mine. I just don't have any uh, plans set in stone. We got the two little ones, so it's hard. I, yeah, I just don't want to make arrangements uh, to do that. It's one of those deals where I wish I would have bought my plane ticket a, a while back because I just didn't click yes, and now I'm like, damn it. <laughs> But uh, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll probably be out there for that. Correct. But, you know, that's I wanted to kind of take over and ask you questions about Midland because we all had a chance to, to read your write up. And there are so many different things that we talked about last week in preparation uh, for the actual game itself. And, and like you said, it wasn't televised, but it looked like a big crowd out there. Great and crowd, yeah. really, you know, like we said, everybody's just kind of jonesing for some football. So, you know, a. Uh, what did you see? And, and B, you know, what were some of your, your main takeaways? I mean, there are, I guess, either, you know, guys that have been here for a while that, that, that stood out to you and, and maybe a, a newcomer or two that you got to put your eyes on for the first time. Okay, cool. And, yeah, I guess just starting out with, with kind of established guys and 
what you kind of expected. You know, I wanted to see what what you know Pat Mahomes what what Pat would do in this scrimmage after he's you know he's taken off uh, baseball. He's not playing baseball anymore, so it's just football right now. And Cliff's talked him up all spring about you know how much he's grown. I think really between the ears as a quarterback and with, with his uh, physical fundamentals and how much he's just kind of developed from that standpoint and uh, just really taken a big step forward. And, and I really think that, you know, it looked like, you know, he played a game yesterday, which which I think is, is great to see because a lot of times early on in these spring scrimmages, uh, the quarterbacks can be a little rusty and you, you're just, you're, you kind of wonder where it is. But no, I mean, I'm telling you, Pat just stepped in there and he did what he's been doing. If, if Don not look better, I think, he may have, you know, added a little velocity to his ball, uh, you know, through through some really good passes and, uh, you know, threw into some tight windows, which I think Pat hasn't done as much of maybe as some other guys have, you know, in the past as far as that quarterbacks have done. But uh, really liked what I saw out of him. He went 13 for 20 with 188, and he only played on four, uh, on uh, I guess four drives, and they scored a touchdown every single drive that he was in. So. I think you're happy about uh, what he did as far as established. But the crazy thing is, really, other than Pat, I think, and maybe a couple of offensive linemen, as far as true blue starters, you just got to realize Ian Sadler's out for the spring. So as far as like a reliable guy, he's not in there. And then everywhere else, you're just kind of trying to figure out uh, who's going to start and what you really have. And I think the guy that, you know, all spring long, I think everybody over in that building's talk about how good of a spring Cam Batson's had yeah, at slot receiver in there, you know, coming in, you know, after Jakeem Grant. And I'll just tell you that from what I saw from him, I buy into that 100% because he, you know, he led the team in receptions and, uh, or not receptions, but in yardage and scored a touchdown. And I'm telling you, Pat was looking for him a lot. Not, it wasn't like he just found him in his reads. Like Pat would look for Cam quite a bit over the middle or wherever he was. So I think, that says a lot about where he's at in his development, and if he's a guy that takes a big jump forward, I think that could be a really nice surprise as far as this fall. Uh, other than that, you know, Derek Willies makes a big catch, you know, on the outside, which is what you went to and got him for, and uh, they were trying to force force feed him the ball down in the red zone several times. So I think you kind of have an idea of what that is. Uh, running backs, I will say that that group, as far as when those guys have the ball in their hand, is super dynamic and super explosive all four of those guys and you just you love what you see when you, they have the ball in their hand whether it be you know Stockton or, or even Quentin White and and Felton and uh, Corey Dauphine you know who I think a lot of people didn't know who he was really and he had several carries in that game where he took it to the uh, perimeter and you know he just started out running guys and he kind of showed off his speed on a couple of 20-ish yards runs and he got some oohs and ahs out of that so was really excited what I saw from that. Uh, as far as offensive line-wise goes, I think that's still kind of a work in progress, especially with some of the young guys that you're going to have with Madison Akimnanu and Terrence Steele, both those guys. And, and, and they're, they're still young guys, and I think they just need more reps than anybody you would ask. No, they, they, they really like what they've seen so far, just want to get those guys more reps. But uh, ran, ran blocked really well. was kind of a mixed bag pass blocking-wise, I think was kind of up and down. But I think at the same time, that's when you look at the other side of the ball on the defensive line. I think I was I, – I knew you had some athletic guys at defensive end and some true like true pass rushers in Gary Moore and Colin Hill and Zach Barnes. But I was impressed with all three of those guys and what they did because they got after uh, those tackles, you know, some. So I think you're excited about the potential there. Uh, the guys at linebacker did what you thought they would do. And then the DBs were kind of up and down because they blew some coverages, and it was kind of that. But but as personnel-wise, that was kind of what I saw uh, from the scrimmage. I, I guess I don't want to leave out Jet Duffy either, who I kind of thought came in early on and was a little shaky, I think, his first time in front of people and really his first time to kind of have up-tempo command of the offense and really, really liked what you saw out of him and, and what he did, you know, as you got later on in the scrimmage and made some really good throws. So as far as individual players, that's kind of just my overall big, just kind of me just regurgitating all this info that I've had in my head the last like, week. Yeah, no, nah, I didn't want to, I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, I guess what I was going to say is I know that, uh, I know that the offense did well and I know that the chief response to that a lot of the time was, um, okay, well, that probably means the defense still sucks or isn't good. Um, I guess combined, you know, with your comments about some of the Russians and, and some of the folks that, that caught your attention, I mean, my curiosity was, I mean, 
hearing all of that, I mean, how, how many of these uh, 2016 signees could you see, you know, getting into that rotation? Because, I mean, you got to see everybody that they have, right. basically, outside of Pipkins. I think as far as guys that are going to be defensive ends, from what I've seen, I think Houston Miller will probably get a shot to play. I think especially at rush end, I think he'll have a good shot. Because what it kind of looks like to me right now, I think I think Gary Moore and uh, I don't know who I, th- I don't know who else they're going to put at that defensive end, but they might put Colin Hill and Gary Moore both at that defensive end, and then at rush end put Zach Barnes and Jacarthy Mack, and then a guy like I think like Houston. I know they're mixing it up between those two positions a lot right now, and just kind of trying to figure out what a good combo is between the two because I think it's pretty fluid right now as far as where they're going to put them. So. As far as it end, I would say that Houston's probably the only one that has a chance to play. A defensive tackle, I think all those guys are going to get a shot just because there's really no depth, you know, behind. Uh, you have Andre, you know, Pipkins, and then you have uh, you have Braden and Broderick Washington, and then other than that, this spring they're having to play. They're having to play Lonzel Gilmore. They're having to play him and Taylor Nunez as defensive tackles just for this spring because of the lack of depth. So I think that's where the big the big money maker is going to be is all these interior guys. When you think of like Nick McCann and Joe Wallace and uh, obviously Mike Thomas, I think all three of those guys will have a pretty big shot to come in early. Well, I mean, you're, you're lucky you're bringing in. I mean, that's why they brought in the numbers. I mean, I think that just, you know, hearing that and kind of, that's the first thing I thought of. I know my deals recruiting, but as soon as I, I expected that to be the response when I saw, cause all I could do is follow your tweets and right. follow, you know, board posts, you know, it wasn't televised, it wasn't on radio that I knew of and, and or that I could that, get. On top of that, Andre didn't play in the scrimmage, so they were super exactly. handed at DT in that, in that scrimmage. Yeah, you know, so you got to factor that in. But, uh, yeah, I mean, good good stuff on the Midland scrimmage. I, I just wanted to, to let you kind of uh, dump your thoughts out there, and, and we appreciate it, man. We appreciate right. you covering that for the site. Um, I, know that, uh, I know that we didn't get into – we didn't get into any of the specifics, and we talked about a lot of the guys that were out. But what about those? Uh, what about maybe that one or, or two, oh, you know, yeah, new yeah, guys yeah. Or, or guys that are off the radar for us? Um, the guys that I think a lot of people probably aren't paying attention to, uh, and the two that's kind of have stuck out to me the most. The first, I'll say Paul Banks at corner. I think he is what, and the reason that when you when you talk to Coach Gibbs or you talk to Coach Spav about why they brought him in from as a JUCO corner, it was because he knew all about what was going on at Houston, and he they'd recruited him before, and he kind of had a good idea of what it was. Mm-hmm. And I think last year before he got – because he hurt his neck in the TCU game, if you remember, it didn't play after that um, the rest of the year. So <clears> – excuse <throat> me. Um, so I th- And I think he was pretty good, to be honest, before that. I think he was still getting into it, but I think the coaching staff has been really pleased with him and where he's at with everything. So I think, uh, first and foremost, I would say him. Uh, secondly, uh, man, I think, like I said, uh, I, I think Cam Batson's the guy, man. That dude, I, I just think he's going to be more than just a dude. I think he's I, than just kind of a, an, an average guy. I think he's going to do a lot for this team and be one of your go-to receivers. So I'd say those are kind of the two guys. They really stuck out to me. And then I guess if I throw a third one in, I'll say Demarcus Felton because every time I see that guy get the ball, he just does something where you say, wow, like he just catches your eye every every Mm -hmm. single time he gets it. And I'm pretty sure he averaged like eight or nine yards of carry in that scrimmage because every time he would get it, he would take it between the tackles and he would just knife in between guys for six, seven, eight yards. And it was just super impressive to look at that too. Well, a guy, I think a guy like Cam Batson, uh, people often forget because he's kind of bided his time, you know, in, in a, a smaller a, role. A guy who's a junior, I think a lot of people don't remember that either. Right. He played as a true freshman. Yeah. He kind of bided his time, found his way on the field, but we're talking about a kid that, uh, was the Gatorade, uh, state of Oklahoma national or whatever player of the year. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty high honor. Uh, and, and so, you consider that and, and maybe consider the fact that uh, the coaches are now recruiting Oklahoma a little bit more now and mm-hmm. and, and see what a good year from him could do in, in, in that uh, capacity as well. You know, it's it's interesting because we that's I think that should be a, a, the perfect reminder to anyone listening to this. I mean, there's been a lot of, you know, 
oh, well, this kid doesn't have this offers or this kid, you know, that. I mean, I just think that's the wrong way to look at it, especially so far out. Oh, and especially sure. knowing, well, especially knowing, like, just forget about rankings. You got a kid, even like a kid like a Batson that's your hired three-star that is, uh, you know, the Gatorade player of the state and all that that I mentioned. I mean, at the end of the day, these guys have to get on campus and got to do their thing. J.D. on high wasn't ranked anything or, or, you know, awarded anything out of high school and, and he's com- uh, contributing to the team. So, you know, there's, there's uh, certainly an, an argument to be had there. I know they're valid points, but really right now you got to focus on those kids that, that can get on campus. I mean, you look at, we've talked about how he's a junior. I mean, it might take two or three years for them to really hit their stride and hit their potential. Yeah. I mean, that that was a guy that didn't, uh, who wasn't a big-time contributor for you until, I would say, late in his redshirt sophomore year. And he wasn't Eric Ward until his junior year, whenever he just kind of exploded onto the scene as that go-to guy on the outside, you know? Yeah, and we talked about the the depth at wide receiver for this team. And so, you know, I know we we end up talking offense, offense, offense. But, I mean, I I just totally agree Kim Batson could be that guy. He's really waited for this uh, opportunity. Yeah, and and, and – when I think back to his recruitment too, I just remember you know all his film and getting to see him, and uh, didn't get to see him in person because of those ice storms. I was going to go up and actually watch him play in that state title game that year, but didn't get to. But, um, but yeah, man, just he's a guy that I just remember how highly all his coaches talked to him out of high school and how respected he still is. I think around you know the state of Oklahoma and uh, what he kind of meant to that team because he carried that team. Uh, all the way to that state title game, you know, if I remember that playing quarterback. And I just always mm-hmm. thought he had a little something to him. And, you know, it kind of, you know, and I think people talk about him as a punt returner. Don't really – I just don't think they've watched a lot because I think whenever he's gotten a chance to return some punts, whenever, you know, whenever he's gotten some blocking, he's returned a couple. And he's had – because if you remember that OSU game uh, in 2014, he had like a 55-yard return that got called back or something like that. And he's had several other big returns, so – I just think people are really sleeping on him and, and a couple kids like that. And I think, you know, like you said, with all the offers and things, I think it's a thing of you either trust the, the coaches' evals or you don't. And it just really comes down to that and, and just what you kind of think about that. I mean, yeah, that's, again, I just think there's certainly different layers to the conversation, but the, the point still stands. Whether it's a receiver, offensive lineman, or whatever, sure, I mean, you've got to – you've got to have a, a certain percentage of faith in what the coaches are doing, no doubt. But you also have to, I mean, especially on the offensive line, especially at some of these other positions on the defense, you got to project. You got to let these kids, yeah, you got to project. You got to let these kids get in the system. I mean, it does it sucks to hear, but then after you wait a few years and you can, I mean, I promise you guys, wait till you see like what a Peyton Hendricks looks like after. Yes. I mean, I can only imagine, you know, and, and then we've, we've talked about Gary Moore from being this skinny little, you know, ginormous wide receiver. Dude is project, a grown ass you know? man. I'm telling you. Yeah. And so person, yeah. just wait two, three years and these kids are going to develop into the next, you know, uh, I guess, you know, evolution of their football career. I mean, especially being, you know, so football focused in, within the, you know, within the program. So certainly with any, any time you take 20 to 25 kids, you're going to have a few that, that don't work out. But just to point at a kid's uh, offer list, you know, I, I just think is silly at this point. I mean, I, I don't, Cameron Batson might not have had that many offers. I know Patrick Mahomes didn't. I mean, then those are two guys we're talking about that are going to do a lot of damage on the field this year. So, um, I guess it's all perspective. I mean, Tech's always gonna grab. Uh, Tech's always going to grab a few highly rated kids, and as long as you can, you know, consistently keep some some three star uh, kids throughout the class, and and you know, certainly, would you prefer them all to have a strong offer list? Sure, nobody will ever debate that. It's just that you know, it, it shouldn't mean anything if no. a kid does not. I mean, no. some of these kids are uh, are, are completely out of the process, out of the loop. I mean, you hadn't heard anything from Tyler Castaneda until he, uh, you know, all of a sudden decommitted, right? And, right. and that's been, that story's been divulged. All the details have been on our website, but, you know, we don't need to waste time on that here. But the point being is is uh, that's something else we wanted to talk about was offensive, offensive line, line recruiting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and just kind of a quick, a quick hit on that because that was another kind of point of uh, contingency this week because – uh, you know, now you have two, but the two kids you have, look, you got Anderson and Deaton, teammates, 
tech legacies. I mean, obviously they aren't going anywhere, but you know, you got, these guys got to have a combined 60 something offers. And, you know, now the coaches have gone after what, three to four new kids just within the past. Yeah. Yeah. Just within the past month alone. So, I mean, they're, they clearly have a plan. I mean, that's the other kind of misconception I see sometimes is, you know, recruiting is not, you know, okay, might not, not get random. that guy. Let's offer this guy. Yeah. It's it. They have lists. They prioritize the prospects. I mean, especially nowadays, you know, you guys have seen, you know, the approach. And if, uh, if you ever look into it further, I mean, the, the coaches have their boards, they have, you know, they have their school boards for in, their, their, in their offices, you know, right, right, right. And so, I mean, it's, uh, it's very organized and none of this is by surprise. I mean, I wrote about Dennis Bardwell who got an offer. I wrote about him back in January and all that was, was just interest communicated through his coaches. So, you know, these guys stay organized and that was a kid that was lower on the board right now. He might be lower on other teams boards as well. You know, that doesn't mean anything. If I remember talking to him, he had some, you know, several larger programs, Right. Sending him hell and, and talking to his coaches. So I mean, hell, it's uh what April uh, April sixth. Yep. Yeah, and in a couple of weeks, coaches hit the road and and offers are going to start flying all over the place. No doubt, no doubt, man. And uh, I guess just kind of want to riff on a couple of those kids that they've offered. Uh, like I said, Dennis Bar- Bardwell from uh, from uh, Huffman Hargrave, uh, Brendan Hymas from uh, Lake Travis, and then you have uh, Xavier Newman from DeSoto, who were the last three offers if i remember right correct correct right and then casey verholz i guess would be the one right before that yep okay so so you got those four and i think right now uh i I think if you asked lee hayes how to finish it off i think he probably would take one of the two of uh of brennan jaimes and uh bardwell take one of those two and then as kind of a bonus, I think, is what Xavier Newman is. I think he's kind of a cherry on top if you can get him kind of guy. Uh, and that's kind of how I think they view him right now as that kind of a, of a prospect that uh, you're going to have to – you're really going to have to beat A&M for him, and I think that's the favorite, wouldn't you say so? Uh, I just or is it more don't uh, – yeah. Well, just don't uh, – don't forget about uh, – uh, don't forget about Colorado. I mean, they're oh, going to yeah, be there, yeah, yeah. and uh, and that's somebody he's going to consider. I don't have a good read on Xavier. Um, I also know that you know I do cover A and M, but the new offensive line coach, you know, unless it's a no brainer take for them, you know, you kind of wonder from program to program, you know, is it going to be a take right now if he says I'm ready to commit, coach? Yeah. Well, yeah, but Coach Turner just got back to A and M. He was there previously. You guys infamously know Coach Turner from being on the job at Texas Tech for about a week or two. Yeah, it was a week. Um, but all, all that aside, the guy's a, a hell of an offensive line coach. He uh, just got back from a, a stint in the NFL, and so I know he's been offering a bunch of kids, and, and, and maybe his – I don't know his approach is what I'm trying to say. So even if Xavier tried to commit, it, it might not be, you know, hey, okay, we'll we'll take it right now type of deal. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. Um, no doubt, no doubt. Um, I, I guess just moving on, man. Just just keeping on prospects too. Uh, you got to go out to the opening this last weekend and uh, kind of get to see you know some of those things, including uh, you know our boy Xavier Martin was out there uh, repping and you know had one of the best spark scores you know, quarterbacks ever had with I think it was like a one twenty point something. So uh, I guess just your overall thoughts on on the opening regional in Houston and on Xavier both. Uh, you know, I'd never been to an, an opening regional. Uh, the, the setup is a little different. Uh, there are, it just seems like there are more kids there, uh, and it is more, uh, combine geared. Uh, last year, Rivals toyed around with the actual Rivals combine series, and right. that's, was supposed to simulate something like that, but, I mean, really, it was, you could sign up and go, so it got a little out of hand, but what I mean by that is, you know, laser time 40s, uh, shuffles, uh, you know, vertical jump, all that, um, which is all very interesting. And, and certainly, you know, all these metrics, like you said, a spark score, I forget, you know, exactly what it stands for. I'm sure I could Google it right now, but the point being is it just means that you ran the 40 
you uh, you threw the medicine ball, you did the shuffle, vertical, uh, you did the vertical, you know, and, and, and you did something else, right? Um, but but all of that combined, I mean, Xavier has uh, Xavier has the highest score ever of any quarterback behind only uh, Zach Wimbush, who was a if I remember correctly, either Rivals 100 or Rivals 250 quarterback from the 2014 class. 2014 class. He's at Notre Dame now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, again, take of that what you will. But I'm telling you guys, if that if that uh, score uh, holds up as they finish out their combines, you might see your boy get an invite to the opening. Yep. Because they like that stuff, and not only that, but he finished in the top five quarterbacks. So I can't tell you I didn't stay for the whole thing, guys, because I'm not allowed to have field access and do all that. I, I hoboed my way onto the field <laughs> when they uh, did the quarterbacks, and, and uh, I was lucky enough where they separated off into another field. And and I know most of those guys. It's just I was trying to be respectful because uh, they're not allowed at our camp. So um, anyway, long story short, I got to get some you know video of him as you guys saw, but. Um, seems like a very confident kid. Um, he looks the part to me. I think that, you know, size in this offense, you know, doesn't matter. It's easy to say it doesn't when your quarterback's 6'3, 230. Um, but the guys behind him aren't that. So we'll, we'll find out, right? Um, and, and, you know, we'll see with uh, Xavier moving forward. He's still a young man and he can continue growing. We, uh, we met Jet Duffy this time last year and he wasn't that big and, and now he's, He's a he's a big guy. So, you know, I think that uh, from what I could see from the opening, uh, I do like the testing. I do like some of that. Uh, It kind of added length to the camp. And then uh, they did some different one on one stuff. You have uh, a running back and a linebacker playing like a cat and mouse type of game. That was uh, a little bit entertaining. Uh, I didn't stay around for the rest, but it looked like uh, from the Houston area. Uh, in in the, the region, they uh, invited a total of six new invites, and uh, like I said before, you know, with Martin Martin, excuse me, Martin finishing in the top five, and and being part of that fastest man competition with that four four three laser time forty, and then the overall score. I mean, the the director of the entire camp was tweeting about him being the second highest ever, only right. behind Wimbush. So. He's definitely got their you eyeballs. Think, you so we'll think see what about happens. Some of the guys, though, too, the quarterbacks that have come through there in the last, you know, four or five years is at the Spark Camp too. Yeah, well, you know, Elite Eleven slash Spark Camp, but like I said, I mean, top five and that and fastest man. I mean, it's just, you know, it might be hard to keep him out of there. Yeah, you you would hope so, man. I think, uh, and you know, I've, I've shared this story a, a trillion times, but it was just funny. I think last summer at that that new Braunfels camp that Tech held, and and obviously with Coach Jinks still on staff, all a ton of Cibolo Steel kids all showed up at that camp in New Braunfels, and uh, he was one. And I knew, I'm telling you, I knew next to nothing about Xavier. All I knew was that he was there, and I you know introduced myself, and you know just just said what's up, and uh, you know he'd been only been playing I think you know running back or receiver up to that point, and it was his first first year playing quarterback and. Uh, I'm telling you, that kid was dropping some dimes on kids, and, and I think not only blew me away, but really blew the tech staff away. And I know at that camp he ran a, a hand – I mean, like you said, he ran a laser four four three at Sparks Camp, and I think at that camp last summer he ran a hand time. It was like four two eight or four two nine, So, you know, pretty – you know, matches up pretty well. So, you know, I think you're just super excited about what you got because I think – Similarly to what Pat was, I think coming out of high school, you kind of get a raw, kind of a raw player that you can kind of mold moving forward. And I think that's what, you know, Cliff really exceeds at as far as guys. Is if he has guys with tools, he can build them into something. Because I think you would very much would have said that about Manziel coming out of high school too, you know, just a guy that was just raw and had tools like that, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. And and just to kind of cap it off on Martin, the two things I look for in a quarterback, you know, you got to have personality. You got to have, you got to have, draw others and you know like i said this is a camp of over 200 250 kids and martin's out there you know mucking it up and he he looked very comfortable in his own skin i mean talking to these guys making buddies you know doing doing the little things right i mean i saw that i saw the confidence in that you know uh, that, that you needed somebody in that position and then furthermore i mean he the scary part about him will is we talked about the speed but i feel like he is is best when he's out of the pocket 
Right. And so you saw a lot of that, uh, both in his highlights and during some of the drills that I got to see this weekend. And, and even at our rivals quarterback challenge in Dallas two weeks ago, he won the mobile marksman award. So just kind of recapping his off season and, and, you know, he really, I thought the, the most important quote was, you know, I just, I love the coach's, uh, faith in me at the quarterback position. Right. You know, that's, that's his bond with, with coach Morris and coach Kingsbury. And he says that, that they're talking, you know, at least three times a week. So I think that's going strong. And, and like you said, I think at this point in time, coach Kingsbury deserves credit for, you know, being it. Hey, he might know a thing or two when it comes to this whole quarterback and offense thing. Yeah. And I think when you look at a guy like Pat, I think you wonder if he develops the same with a different coach, you know, because I think Pat coming out of high school was was very, very raw. And, you know, he made plays, was a playmaker and has a cannon and can move around. But, he, I mean, you do wonder if he ends up at a different school how, you know, how he develops. Because I, I think there are quarterback coaches out there that wouldn't have known what to do with him. You know, I think you look you look south at Austin, you know, at, at Texas here the last three, four years. Not last three, four, I would say last five, six years. And they've had guys with – you know, a ton of talent that have never amounted to anything. And, and I think that's just more of a, a uh, you know, it was just more to Cliff, you know. What do you mean, Will? I mean, they had a bunch of offers, man. Saying they're not good. <laughs> Saying they're not good players. Uh, no, well, I would, uh, I would say they didn't turn out. Mr. Uh, Mr. Ole uh, Tyrone, let's throw it on fourth and four to keep the game going, swoops. And then, you know, that didn't work out too well for him, did it? So, um I guess moving on from from tech stuff, you know, wanted to get into uh, a couple of off off the radar topics today, and and the first of which, and just real quickly, I wanted to hit on, uh, you know, Major League Baseball season started, so hit on the Rangers real quick, and uh, one and two to start the season so far through three games, you can't tell much, Matt, and uh, I don't know how much you've watched. I've kind of you know on and off watched it, and. Your bullpen has not been so great through the first two, three games. No, not very good. I mean, the I guess the upside is they play 182, but, man, I thought I have watched them, not the whole game, but right. uh, I've been uh, I've been at the office, uh, you know, a little late into the evening these past few times, and, and I put it on in the conference room, and pff, I thought today, okay, cool, I'm going to watch uh, 1, 2, 3, we're going to get this save. That's when oh, I tuned in, and then, in the and then they got the. I mean, but I knew, I knew after after game one, I told myself, man, we just pulled off the 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 dumbest oh, that's win, too. you know, that's so squirrely. It something's gonna come back and and happen to us, and I, I was expecting that, but man, two two days in a row with that bullpen's been woof. And like you said, with as good as they were down the stretch last year, I think you just hope that it's early season jitters because. If you would have told me Tolleson was going to give up five in the ninth today when you're up in the ninth, I would have told you you were probably crazy. So Yeah, and I also think it's the beginning of the season. A lot of those guys are up there hacking. To it. Yeah, Yeah. so, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But, man, you got, it's, uh, you know, the, the offense has been there. Not Maybe not game two, but when the offense is there today and the, the closer can't get it done, that's just, it's you're going to. It's a bad you, day, yeah. Right, you know, you, you try to shrug it off here in the in game three of the season, but then remember what we're talking about when it's like the Rangers are a half game uh, behind the Astros <laughs> going, and you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and that's that's you can be like, oh, I remember that one day, you know. Um, anyway, yeah, no, it's true, but just wanted not to ideal, not ideal, not ideal. I just wanted to mention that real quick and move on from that. So, uh, kind of heading back to the recruiting thing, but a little bit different and not necessarily. Uh, with tech, but just kind of in general, and you and I have been, uh, you know, covering this for a couple years, you know, have our favorite share of experience of how this works now, recruiting anyway, especially through social media and how that's all kind of evolved where, I mean, in my opinion, I think coaches get in contact and, and talk to, you know, prospects, you know, a, a million times, you know, more than they do on, on like Twitter than they do as far as actual text and calls and stuff like that, so... I just think that it's 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 just so crazy to think about. Whenever I started in recruiting, uh, Twitter really wasn't uh, wasn't really prominent at all, and it was really just phone calls and texts and and all that kind of thing. And, and maybe you know through Facebook, which which good lord, man, talk about how times have changed. I, I don't think anybody, as far as coaches, talks to kids through Facebook anymore. But um, 
but yeah, they just talk to kids through Twitter all the time, and you've seen the development and the growth of Twitter recruiting and just and just social media recruiting and how all that works and how uh, inventive and creative some of these staffs have gotten. And the biggest thing that I know sticks out here lately is all these coaches have kind of taken um, taken a page from kind of some of the, the the fans where they're making what they call edits, which are just uh, you know photoshops of of all these kids and. Uh, of you know certain schools on this kind of thing and now you see coaching staffs you know kind of through back doors getting kids these uh these edits and, and a lot of them are really impressive and you kind of see all this stuff and it's it's just really cool and i know you wanted to talk about it too a lot so uh yeah i guess what's kind of your thoughts on it man because i know you know we you and i you know trade them back and forth and you know talk about how cool some of that kind of stuff is a lot well again i think you hit the nail on the head when you said that uh it's just Social media, especially Twitter, has become so centric to what not only college coaches are doing, but there are even ancillary, uh, I guess, portions of this whole recruiting thing. You've got your rivals, you've got your, you know, so and so's in in the recruiting industry, but now you have uh, trainers and you have. Um, I hate to call them handlers because maybe that's a negative connotation, but you got guys that maybe help you with your recruiting and camps and whatever right but for me you know knowing that the fact that the coaches can look at tape they can have these boards we've talked about and then they can you know instantly copy and paste the the same message or you know send out 10 to 20 to 30 personalized messages through a direct message in a matter of you know, like five every minutes. yeah every morning every evening and even if they have enough time they could pre um, set these these messages. I mean, it it, it gets pretty uh, intricate, you know, once you can figure out how to do it. Right, but right. the point being, the point being is that what we wanted to bring up was these all these edits and these photoshopped uh, images, and and they always started out as you know the 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 bad portion of the social media is that the fans get involved when they shouldn't. Right. But and that's where you know, that kind of started. That stems from. Yeah, and you're not going to be able to ever police that, right? And that's a whole other conversation. But the bottom line is, is a lot of this stemmed from that is, is yes, I mean, coaches started, uh, uh, programs and coaches started creating their own media, their own images, if you will, uh, almost like marketing material on uh, that's Twitter. That's exactly what it and, is. That's a great and way I'll, to put it. I'll, yeah, I'll use OU as an example, right? Let's say the, the, uh, the normal time for this when it first started would be either right before or right after the season, and especially if the team did great, let's say 10 wins, won the Big 12, hey big 12 champs again and like a picture of all the trophies with a certain font and a certain you know uh logo here and and you know hashtag this or whatever right, right, right. that's what it's kind of grown into is maybe coach was using that just to brag themselves but now they're sending these images that are specifically tailored to you know x prospect let's say we're just talking about xavier martin well the coaches could send him an edit that was, you know, crazy red and black and had him, uh, you know, you know, ripped one of the pictures of him from the, the opening and put it on there and put, you know, uh, whatever they want to. Right. I mean, as long as it's not a violation, not as like, up or something like that. Yeah. Well, they could. Yeah. Anything. They could have just been like, you know, Texas Tech quarterback commit, whatever, you know. But I, I mean, I tweeted some examples earlier. But anyway, you guys get the point. Um, but but. Some like a lot of schools. I, I can't even say some anymore. A lot of schools. This is now the norm. It's not even a, a trend. Like the norm is that you schools it, have yeah. a social media manager slash, uh, you know, content manager, and you know, it's basically, it's a, basically a graph a graphic designer for recruiting is what it is. At the absolutely, and it's all recruiting. And I mean, you can look back over the past you know couple years in ESPN magazine. You know, Alabama, Michigan, you know, programs, big programs like that first started hiring these people full time. And, you know, they've really grown into large roles within the recruiting department. And I think in state, you see Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor, SMU. I mean, you see a lot of these schools rolling out various images. I think one of the coolest ones I've ever seen started today from SMU. And it's yep, the whole, that one. Yeah. The, the whole image is blacked out except for their stadium. And 
you know how fans could like you know okay the cards where they flip the cards they could the flip the cards and create images it looks like it'll have the kid's name their number and they'll have the smu pony and so you're kind of looking at this aerial shot of the station at the stadium and it says uh it and it says you know uh Jackson number twenty two and it's got the the, the logo on I mean, it. Hashtag or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah I, I might not be doing it justice, but it's got all that. Yeah, it's got but the it Nike incredible. logo. Yeah. And it's got, you know, like it says like we we're ready for you and like, you know, their SMU football life or whatever. Same thing with A and M and some of the schools I mentioned and, and you could go across the US. I mentioned several schools so far, but um I know it's something that interests you. I know it's something that interests me and I mean, we saw it even with Jalen Jackson's commitment. The, you know, oh, hey, next on SportsCenter, uh, you know, Texas prospect uh, picks the Buffaloes. Right. I mean, I'm not saying to go that far. You know, that might be a little far, but a lot of programs are doing this. I mean, a lot of programs, especially for their top prospects, I mean, it's not out of the, the norm to start to see them, you know, really creating fake, uh, you know, EA Sports 2017 with this kid on the front and, a, and an edit. And I've even seen uh, for a kid from Port Arthur this year, his name is Kerry Vincent. Oh, you sent him a image. OK, you know, when you're when you have your iTunes going on your iPhone. OK, and you go to your home screen and it'll tell you it'll show the image of what's playing. Right. Okay? And have forward reverse play. And they'll have the information there. They, they had everything formatted that way. And it was, um, ah, they did some like, it was a, basically a UGK parody, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and because it was Port Arthur, and it was, you know, it was all done. I'll have to find it and send it to you. But I was like, wait a minute, I had to do a double take. And it was crazy because it, it, yeah. it looked real. And the only things that I, that made me notice were the, the OU editions. And then I was like, well, no way OU made that. Some fan did this. But sure as hell, it was OU. Because it probably had the logo and, his sig- and Bob Stoops' signature on it, I'm guessing. Because that's how you tell yeah, a lot of it, real. It had everything. I mean, I'll have to go and find it and send it to you. But I, I'm telling you, I mean, it was some impressive stuff. And, you know, of course, being a UGK fan, right, everybody should be. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it. and again, I mean, you go to the – go if you're on Twitter, I mean, none of this is a secret. But the, the fact of the matter is a lot of these used to be – pro semi-pro fake terrible and now they're actually being terrible yeah yeah but now they're being done by real you know real people that are hired to do this so anywho no and and i'm on the same page as you matt and it's like the crazy thing is how much it's blown up in a matter of what i would say is only you know you know three four five months where you know i think even you go like to the end of last summer or like early fall and there really were, weren't that many schools doing it, or if they were, it was all very like subtle and very uh, simple, and a lot of those things. But uh, but I think the crazy thing too is is some of these people that do it, that just did it on Twitter, that were fans of a certain school, are getting like jobs doing it with those programs, which is kind of one of the craziest things to me. Um, but but yeah, man, it's just it's crazy to see what people do because. As someone that in the last, you know, in the last year has taken up Photoshop and, you know, kind of messed around with it and, and you know, kind of gotten all right with it, um, you know, it's just it's just crazy to me what some of these people can put together because I kind of have a frame of reference for how much time it probably takes to make some of that stuff. So, so yeah, it's just it's really cool to me to see all that and, and, and where it is. But, uh, but anyway, we'll go ahead and move on to our uh, our questions this week and. Don't have any Twitter questions, but hey guys, you know, like we said, uh, every you know Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm gonna tweet out, uh, you know, that you guys should should tweet us questions if you know if you're not on Reddit or Sports or you know whatever or if you're just on Twitter, uh, please tweet at us and tweet us questions because we'd love to answer them. So uh, we'll just go to uh, to uh, the the uh, let's see here the the website Reddit or Sports and look at some of these questions and uh, picked out three for us to talk about tonight. Um, First of which is just kind of in general from uh, from Westside Walker. He says, uh, how do you guys feel about recruiting in general during Kingsbury's tenure? I've been a little disappointed. I hope his rep would open up some bigger doors to bigger recruits. Am I off base? Um, I mean, there's a <laughs> – I guess there's a couple questions in there. Uh it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to say. You you really can't speak to the defensive recruiting because it's changed uh, so much. Yeah, 
Yeah, and if we want to, I guess, let's just give it a grade, right? I mean, I think we could go with a solid C- minus when it comes to defense. Maybe maybe a C plus if you say, hey, they got Fajoko. You know, I guess his future is yet to I be think, s- I think seen. This, I think with this last class and just the numbers and what I think of that class, I think you could go C or C plus just based off that class. Sure. I mean, I guess kind of, but, you know, I, and I think it's fair of the poster to ask, though. It's, it's, no, it's, it's fair. I agree. It's now year four, so they should have at least, you know, I think you see that, though. The Jay Sean Johnsons, the, um, uh, the Coda Allen, exactly. That's who I was thinking of. Um, and, and, you know, again, on the D line, that's a little bit of a mixed bag, but still, you've got guys that are, you know, like we said before, we even have to remind ourselves to be patient and let these guys be on campus for a while. But but that's the whole point of, of the three to four year window. But you're right. I mean, the kids that are coming in are going to contribute and you like that direction on defense. But just in general, let's just go with a, a C and average C. on defense. Yeah. We can do that. Um, I think when you have the offense humming and, and you look at what he's been able to add in Patrick Mahomes right off the bat, I think that automatically gives him an A on offense. I think what he's done with the rush um, and, and what he's done oh, with identifying a or a plus. I'll just go ahead. And say yeah. That. Yeah. Because you've got an embarrassment of depth at receiver, uh, whether, whether, you know, we're, whether we're pouring Kool-Aid or not on that. I mean, just talking about the recruitment and talking about the, the names alone gets you to a dozen before you add a few of the kids that are coming onto campus in the, the summer as well. So um, a lot of things to, to look forward to on that offense, but just the fact that you have Pat and what a special player he is, and just the fact that, that you know, regardless of the recruits that have come in, you've got enough depth at running back, and the offense has really run, uh, run the ball very effectively. So uh, I think we'll see on the offensive line, maybe that's where people have yet to see any of that progress. And but that's also because you've had so many veterans on that, in that group. Though, exactly. Too. Exactly, and so only time will tell. We need to just see, you know, what Akimnanu and what Steele and what some of these guys look like, and what that rotation really looks like from Hayes in the end. But again, it was just such a light, basic scrimmage in Midland. You know, we'll look again at the spring game. We'll look again, you know, further into the summer, and I think it'll be a completely different story. Um, but really, it's going to take into the fall to to really, you know, write the story itself. So. Um, again, offensive line will be something you look at, but I still give that an A because you got a lot of guys that you fought hard for, and, and a lot of guys that we mentioned had great offer lists. Yeah, I mean, you, you you just start with, like you said, you start with, uh, you can say whatever you want. You know, the funniest thing with me to, about Justin Murphy is is everybody, whenever they signed him, was like, well, who is this? Why did we take this two-star offensive lineman that doesn't have any offers well i'll tell you why they did because uh he you know all those schools tried to come grab him at the end and now he was your i mean he is your best offensive lineman at this point moving forward i think and i think he really really was kind of the pace guy for that group's mentality last year and i think that's he's kind of the poster child for lee hayes's offensive line recruiting as far as like uh evaling and then you like you said you talk about akamnanu and you talk about dyer uh, and you talk about some of these other guys, you know, obviously right now with Deaton and Dawson, or I mean, excuse me, with, with Deaton and Anderson, and they're all guys that had a ton of offers and uh, got all those guys. And, and you like all the other guys you got too, so I think you're happy about that. At receiver, um, you know, you finally started getting all your guys in this last year. And, you know, with Tony Brown, Quan Shorts, uh, Reg, or not Reg, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Giles, Jonathan Giles, and, uh, Kiki Kute, you know, those guys are all guys that are expected to be key contributors moving forward and are guys that you're really, really, really counting on for the future. Uh, you get Derek Willies, who only is a guy that you you hope someday is an all-Big 12 outside receiver. Um, and you just added all these pieces. And like you said, at running back, you got Justin Stockton, uh, you got Demarcus Felton, you got Corey Dauphine. I mean, there are very few schools that recruit that well at running back, you know. Yeah, and that's why I said the depth is there. Uh, and you even mentioned Felton as a guy you really liked, and a, and a guy who we both really liked at a high school. Super um, guy out of high school. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where you get into that mixture, right? I mean, you 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 look back, and, and it's so easy to remember now that that everyone's kind of moved on, and the 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 you know deck's been shuffled a little bit. But but Mike Jinks had that position on lockdown. He usually got his guys and Locked Dolphin down. To, yeah. 
perfect. Dolphin's a perfect example. He had no offers to speak of, really, and then he just kept adding offers and offers and offers. Got the ones from in-state, got the ones out-of-state, even took a few visits, and he signed with Tech. And so um, you got to see him. You know, We're all excited to see him develop in the offense, but Stockton's really earned his stripes, and he's going to be that guy now. And then it looks like you're going to get some Dolphin and some Felton, but you could also get some daily on Ward. Who knows? Um, so I, for me, I think I'll, I'll say this about Cliff, you know, where he has made mistakes, uh, where you could point to mistakes or failures on the coaching staff, you know, with, with it, you know, on the defensive side. On offense, it's just been money. I mean, yep. you know, yep. adding a guy like Emmett Jones and, and really bolstering that, uh, recruitment on that side and then, you know, Foster, the, the 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 jury's not you know necessarily out, right? I mean, we all agree we like right. the hire, but just Creative on paper, what, yeah. And what, yeah, and what he's been able to do right now, I mean, I just think that I think it, experience is obviously important, but also his experience on the NFL football field. Kids tell me he's been where I want to go, and so you know that's why it would be good to play for him. So. That, I think that speaks highly to kids. Kids know that they understand what it takes to get to that level, and they, they could help them get in there. It does, and, and you know, a funny thing, too, about Foster was the first day that you know we got to talk to him as media, uh, the first thing he mentioned, mentioned was Justin Stockton and how at UCLA, how hard they tried to recruit him and get him, and about how exci- you know how happy he was to finally be able to, you know, to get to coach him. So I think that says a lot about what you've done at running back, and, and I know Foster was very, very impressed with, the roster at running back. So, um, so yeah, like you said, I, I think you can go with an A, A, A-ish on offense, and I think you go with C-ish on defense. And you want to average that out to a B, that, that's fine with me. I, I think you're, you're, you're good with that. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of where you're at with that. Um, let's see here. Next question. Next question is, uh, from My Morning Jacket, is do you like our chances with Adam Beck, and who do you think could be the first defensive back commit in the 2017 class? I, I I'm not I'm not personally because I mean I know boo I know I cover other schools and and especially I'm here boo, in Houston. Matt sucks. Boo, he sucks. Uh, and and so as I wear my old school yellow jersey, run on the field Baylor thing, <laughs> and my overalls painted in glitter maroon, uh, I, I just. I've heard him talk very highly about A&M. I don't know how close they would be to an offer, but he's visited several times. He'll be back again this weekend. Uh, a kid that's grown a lot and a kid that uh, could play either corner or safety. Every time I talk to, I've talked to Xavier, we've talked to Jack and, and Dawson. Everyone is talking to Adam. He's saying all the right things. He's never been to Lubbock. And yes, I know that the combination of Gibbs and Spavadol, you know, when they work together, they've, they've shown that they can land a kid like this. But I guess what I would say is a commitment from a kid like that. I would still have one eye on, you know, where he's visiting or who might offer with so much time left in the process. All right, you heard what the man said, and I will not argue with that. Um, let's see here. Let's but in terms of in terms of who could be first, I mean, look, I, I put together that piece about Oklahoma because it, you know, again, Oklahoma's great. We just talked about Cam Batson, but there's just a lot of athletes and, and defensive backs coming out of Oklahoma this year, and and you're starting to see more uh, prospects emerge on the lines as well. So absolutely, keep an eye on what's going on in Oklahoma on the defensive side of the ball. Yep, I would totally agree with that. And uh, we've seen a couple of kids at camp from Oklahoma, and I would, uh, I would totally agree with that. Um, let's see here. Last question, and we'll take this one from Ford Bronco Forty Four. His first part of the question is about Xavier Martin, and we already talked about that. So, part number two of his question is: Who are the top two realistic targets at wideout in the seventeen class right now? Well, I mean, our man Drew just dropped the the Dropping bombs. Just by, you know, he, he's uh, talking to this kid from Cali. I mean, you never know. I mean, I guess all I'll say is that the coaches are going to get it done. I mean, kids are going to want to play in this offense. I just, You'll I don't think they're going to, they're going to, in a smaller class, they're not going to settle. Um, and, and I think that you hit the nail on the head in the recruiting. I, again, I, I, I don't know how serious Cameron Buckley is about Texas Tech, right. so I won't, I'm not going to go there, but I know that Cartrell Thomas is a very real option. What I will say 
is we owe you guys some updates on the East Texas Montreal duo Still and Montreal Still and Octavius Evans. You know, I, I owe you guys updates on them. They're just harder to get a hold of. I know for a fact I'll be in East Texas uh, later in May for the annual combine out there, and, and both of those guys should be in attendance. But regardless, those updates will be on the way, and those are, you know, Octavius, for those who don't remember, he is actually Reginald Davis's cousin, whether that means – you know, cuz or grew up families close. I, I'm not exactly certain, but that's what he had told me in the past. And um, in terms of Montrell, I mean, his recruitment has just blown Sky up. I know that. Yeah. I know that. Uh, I, I, everything I've been told is that that's going to be a Texas and a Texas A&M battle. And uh, you know, it might be. It might boil down to where colleges want him to play. Um, you know, some schools may see him as the next thing at wide receiver. Some schools may see him as a cover corner. So it just depends on, on who you talk to. Um, I would say that in terms of Tyrell Shavers, you know, I wouldn't count that out just because of the combination baseball thing and just his relationship with Coach Jones. But, you know, you have a kid in, in Calvin Clater who's, who's visiting this weekend, yep. 6'3", you know, around 200 pound receiver, you know, plays private school ball, maybe a little under the radar. Uh, but, you know, I've got a few folks telling me they, they like him as a prospect as well. So, you know, again, I, I think all that, again, right now we don't have those specific answers for you. It seems like it's still very fluid going into right. this open contact period. Right. And I think another thing that, that people need to keep in mind too is, is Tech offered a ton of receivers in last year in like late May, early June. Like you think about a guy like Trendavian Dixon who wasn't really on anybody's radar at all at that point. I mean he was on the radar, but you know, Tech was one of the I think Tech was Tech his very first offer. He was one I'm not certain. It might have been Baylor, man. Tech and Baylor were were his very first couple offers and everybody was like, Well who's this kid? And then he blew up and you know was was one of those kids. Sure. Um and then a uh, kid that went to Oklahoma State, that's a big, big, big kid. Um, I can't, I cannot remember his name, but there's another kid that Tech was really interested in that blew up like that. Um, so so the, I think as far as receiver goes, you're going to get elite kids to come play receiver at Texas Tech. You're never going to settle for kids that aren't going to be uh, anything any good. And uh, just and, and just to let you guys know, the kid that, Matt, that Matt's talking about that – uh, Drew got in contact with is Jamire Calvin, who plays at Los Angeles Cathedral out in California, and he already has. Uh, I'm looking right now. He has like say like 24, 25 offers already. So, um, so yeah, I mean a kid that you're definitely uh, gonna have to get in on. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, like like I just said, I think you're Texas Tech, and you're gonna find kids that want to play receiver for you. So receiver is always my last worry as far as recruiting for Tech. Yeah, but with that said, I think it's a fair question. I just think that uh, don't keep in mind with the spring game coming up, don't put it past a, a, a van full of DeSoto teammates or a, a van full of you know so and so teammates making their way out or announcing that sometime next week either. So yeah, so so you know some of these kids. I'm I'm a big uh, Cartrell uh, Thomas fan. I think that, uh, you know, I think these kids understand the, pro- uh, the process a little bit more and they want to visit. But a lot of these kids, will, you're starting to see they're wanting to make a commitment before spring ball. They're wanting to kind of get all this stuff out of the way. And that happens a lot this time of year. But there's been a lot of commitments. And I just think that once you get kids on campus, especially at you know, especially at certain positions where they may only have a few spots. They're like, hey, right. you know, we want, we want you to be our guy. Give us your verbal. Try it on for size. You know, let's go. And especially when you have your family in town, that changes the game. So, I mean, certainly be on alert. You know, we'll start to, to identify prospects that are coming right, to town right, for right. certain and verifying all that. But, yeah, that that's my two cents on the wide receivers is that they're going to it's going to be fluid. They're going to continue to identify guys and then, you know, they're going to continue to to butter up those top targets. Right. And one thing too I would keep in mind and he's not a guy that's anywhere near an offer yet, I don't think. Uh, I think they'll kind of see this spring. But uh remember also Josh Moore that just transferred out to Lubbock Cooper uh as a kid who you know, he's always played quarterback, hasn't played receiver before, but already had a couple of offers. So uh, I'll be interested to see how interested they are in him 
So just another name, because I know he's been out to campus and he's talking to the coaches, so uh, he's visited several times and been out spring practice. So I would just think about him as well. So uh, I guess that's really it. But uh, anything else before we get out of here you want to talk about or uh, riff on or uh, or preach on or whatever? No, man, I'm good. We talk too much on these things. So we're probably Always. close to an hour. Oh yeah, we're at an hour, undoubtedly. It's uh, it's become a, a tradition of the Victory Bells podcast that we always swear we're going to do under an hour, but we always go over an hour. So uh, always works out for you guys in the end. Always get more content, but uh, but yeah, that's it for this week. Thanks again so much for listening to the Victory Bells podcast. I'm Will McKay, and he's Matt Clare. Hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. All right.